0: Thank mm-hmm. you. the kings insider podcast on NBC Sports California brought to you by Wendy's I am James Ham. joining me today we're sitting here watching cheerleaders in pregame they're called dancers their, James dancers do their their workout uh their pregame stuff uh joining me the longtime voice of the playoff eliminated Stockton Kings Mr.
1: Dave Deuce Mason what's going on Deuce how you doing man thanks for having me on. I'm good.
0: You know, I don't think you've never been on the pod, have you?
1: It's been a long time. I feel like the last time I did a podcast was a long, long, long time ago, 2013, after the King stayed. I think we did one with Jonathan Santiago. Wow. Probably about four beers deep, to be honest. Wow.
0: Okay. Do you that remember makes that sense. at the
1: park? At uh, was that Caesar Chavez Park? Okay. After the big rally when the Kings ultimately stayed in Sacramento.
0: Interesting. You were part of a combination of people. Now I remember we were in the tinted area on a small yep. tabletop. Okay. I remember. I remember. What uh, a night that was. That was a great night. Um, very interesting how things have changed over the course of, <laughs> wait, well, that's been six years. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm going to bring this up because, um, look, I do some moe. Like, you you guys have your podcast, which is incredible. Thank you. You had your All Things Kings podcast. uh, You produced the radio side with Gary Gerald. Uh, You do, of course, the Stockton Kings now. Uh, April 1st is a dark day for you, though. It's the day that you left radio and ventured out. Hmm. And I I just want to say this, Deuce. You tweeted it out, so I'm bringing it up. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of watching you evolve and develop and get – to where you're at and, and to see where you might go with this down the road. Uh, it really has been impressive because a lot of people, when they get, uh, when they get kicked in the teeth, yeah, they, they go away and they, they don't try it again and you just keep reinventing yourself and doing new, bigger and better
1: things. So I appreciate that. No. And I mean, you say it was a dark day, like that day it was like dark, but like my mentality was, all right, let's go. Dust yourself off, figure it out. Let's do this thing, you know. And I, that's why, to this day, I posted about it because, like, to me, it's an important date in my career. You're faced with some adversity. How are you gonna handle it? And so, April, getting fired on April 1st, April Fool's Day, was just, probably
0: the worst, the worst <laughs> decision by anyone who's ever been in any business.
1: Hey, you said it. But I would say this. Like for me, it's like that date sticks with me because it's like, no, no. That's when someone told me, like. They didn't say this, but in my mind, they told me you're not good enough. That's how I took it. And so since then, it's like, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to prove people wrong. And that's just kind of my mentality. And look, it's a fun way. We've got a long way to go. You just got to keep evolving. You've evolved, too. Like, that's what you got to do. It's fun. Yeah, it, this is an, a,
0: an adventure for, for anyone who decides to do this job, uh, who decides to get into media and really try this as a career. It's not easy. It takes a long time to break in. Uh, I remember I was a stringer for NBA.com and I covered every game and, you know, that was on top of my job uh, at Cowbell yeah. uh, and it paid like $125 a game, right? So it's just like, it's just a little bit of extra money while you're, you're trying to piece together what you're doing as a career. And then like the week before the season, I reached out to NBA.com like, Hey, uh, are we all set for, for the season? Are we doing a different format? And they had just signed their new gigantic contract uh, with the NBA, uh, with uh, with TNT. And they're like, oh, sorry, you didn't get the email. Uh, Yeah, we killed that program, bro. We don't need you this year. Boom. And and you're just like, wow. You know, maybe it doesn't seem like a lot to them, but $5,000 a year to cover 40-something games, it actually means something to the people who are going out there and doing the work every day. So... It's not an easy business, and there is a lot of setbacks. But
1: it's part of it. Like we signed up for it. Like and to me, like everyone's, it's so hard. It's all. Yeah, it is. But it's ultimately fun. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to keep pushing and doing it. And it's a grind. But I love it. You know, when when it's a busy season and it's fun. Like this season's been fun. Sacramento's been exciting to watch. My stuff with Stockton's been a lot of fun. Doing the podcast. It's yeah. It's nonstop. But it's like. Look, I'm living my dream. That's what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. I wanted to be in this business. I'm doing it in my hometown. It's fun. All right, so let's
0: kick into to Stockton
1: because you've got to see uh, some of the players. I mean, Cody Demps,
0: of course, was in Sacramento. His 10-day contract ran out, so the Kings used their roster spot on someone else. Have you seen B.J. Johnson play?
1: You know, I was thinking about that today. I think he did play against Stockton. They only played him once, and I do not remember much about B.J. Johnson. Nothing jumps out to me immediately. I also did not go back and, you know, look over the box score. Um, But, you know, the Kings have five games to go. It's like, you know, this is a chance to start looking at guys. Get them in your building a little bit. See if there's anything there. And that's kind of what you look at with 10 days, you know. And I was really happy for Cody Demps, too, because Cody Demps, like, legit from where he was at the start of the season to now, his numbers improved. But he was put in some tough positions to be a point guard when he wasn't a point guard a true point guard at least and the guy did a lot of work and I, I was really happy for him to, to get that 10-day contract with Sacramento not only a little extra money for him but also get the experience to go on this last road trip for the last couple of games
0: yeah it would have been fun to have seen him get into a game but to be honest with you the way that both of the the Houston and uh, San Antonio games played out there was really no way to get him in the game and if you yeah. did get him in the game it would have looked just like hey we're just going to get you in the game there you go uh, and I don't, you know, you want to make it, and um, who knows what will happen with Cody in the in the future. But uh, I thought it was a really cool gesture by the Sacramento Kings, and so people understand, like the the G League, you max out at, I think it's uh, seven thousand dollars a month, right? So it's thirty six, thirty seven thousand dollars on a year. Uh, a ten day contract I think is worth forty seven thousand uh, dollars. So basically, he doubled his salary, and it's a good way to reward someone who's in your system. Who worked his tail off and then when it comes to bj johnson i, I don't know whether bj johnson is going to make it or not in the nba uh i do not i have not heard that it's a 10-day contract that they signed him to and so it sounds like it's more of uh what they did with nigel hayes uh last year which was they brought him in they signed him to a two-year deal or at least a, a full contract so you get him in your gym after the season and you get to see who he is and then you also you hold his rights after that and then there's a small amount of guaranteed money going forward and if it works you keep him if it doesn't work you wave him yeah. but either way you got a nice practice player that can spend a lot of time in sacramento during the summer uh working alongside your young players developing um gives you an extra body uh, and you never know you you see how it plays out that's what it kind of looks like from my angle now. yeah
1: and it could be and so it's one of those lower risk moves why not just get a look-see yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, and maybe he's playing in Stockton next year. Who knows?
0: Now, I got to see Caleb Swanigan do a bunch of workouts with uh, Phil Rishi uh, when I was in Houston and San Antonio. Um, what have, what's what been your view of him? Um, again, we've talked about this on the Facebook Live show, if you guys haven't seen the Facebook Live show with Deuce and I, uh, but the thing that stands out to me is that Portland doesn't have a, a G League affiliate, and so he was never really able to get on the court uh he he looks a little out of shape he looks like he's got to work on some stuff he's very quiet very reserved um but what did you see from him because he's a behemoth of a man he's oh he's a big dude dude.
1: i mean i think one thing especially late in the year he, he came he played in stockton's playoff game they were they made it to the playoffs got bounced out in the first round a single elimination so they lost that game and I, he had not been with Stockton the last few games because he joined Sacramento on the road trip. And I think that hurt him a little bit in terms of what he was trying to do in the in the G League because he would, obviously didn't come to Sacramento. He, he joined Sacramento on the road trip and didn't play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was getting his workouts in. But for me, he's a big guy that is a really good rebounder. Um, I think he could turn into a decent passer. He's got that big body. Soft Go- hands. Oh, yeah, exactly. And... Um, I, I could see why they want to take a look at it. I could see why they were intrigued with him in that 2017 draft, too. Uh, but, like you said, for him, he's got to work on his body. He's just got to get in better shape. He's got, you know what I mean? I mean, he's, he hasn't played enough. And I think he's the type of guy that if he's playing in this offseason, if he gets in the gym and just busts his ass, he can get out there and, and be in decent shape. I, the thing that. I, blows my mind is he was like 380 pounds in the eighth grade yeah it's crazy so he's his, dropped weight he his can story do it is incredible oh my god so you should
0: probably read up on his story
1: five homeless shelters he grew up in I mean this guy's had a tough life and so this basketball thing is not tough for him like the grind of trying to make it in the NBA he's been through far worse circumstances yes. trying to even get to the NBA so I'm rooting for him I mean I, he's a good guy and I, I hope he does well
0: um, and, look, uh, again, Deuce and I talked about this on one of the Facebook Live shows, but uh, it's funny. The podcast has always been sort of a mailbag, right? So there are questions that don't get answered normally, uh, and they don't warrant uh, an entire written post about. But I like to sometimes make sense of things for people. And the reason why the Kings made the move to trade Scalabissier for Caleb Swanigan is uh, it's got a couple of reasons. Um But the biggest one is that when you're in your first two years as an NBA player, you can turn down. I mean, you can't turn down going to the G League. When a team allocates you to the G League, you have to go. When you're in your first two years, once you hit your third year, uh, they cannot just force you to go to the G League. You have to actually take the assignment. You so they got to a point where Scal really didn't want to go to the G League. Uh, Caleb Swanigan is a guy who was in his second year versus Scal who's in his third year, which means they could just send him to the G League. Although I have heard that, that Caleb Swanigan has asked to go to the G League. He wanted to go to the G League because he wants to get the playing time yeah. And he wants to get in the right shape to do what he's trying to do. But uh, that's one of the reasons why they did what they did with Scal. Scal was lost in a gigantic mix of bigs and it was just not going to work out here in Sacramento, so they're trying to give him a new opportunity, I don't know if he'll get that in Portland or not, uh, but certainly it was a, a lot about allocution to the G League and whether or not uh, they could move forward with him and they decided they couldn't and so they've, they've moved on to Caleb. And I, I think it's intriguing because he was a big-time prospect prospect coming out of Purdue. Oh, yeah.
1: His final year at Purdue was amazing. Yeah. He did yeah. great things there.
0: Yeah. So, so just kind of an interesting wrinkle. Now, Dave, we're getting to the last handful of games here. Five uh, games left. The Kings have been eliminated, uh, which was very painful to be in the locker room Saturday night in Houston. Um, they, of course, knew it was coming. But to actually have that happen, uh, it did hit the team really hard, and then to bounce back the next night against the San Antonio Spurs to me was spectacular. It, it was it showed me a resiliency uh, in this team, and you know what? If they wouldn't have had some slip ups here against the Lakers, against uh, who was it? Uh, the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, against Washington. The Nets. They would have taken this thing all the way down to the last game or two, and. It's just like it's a game of inches. I mean, it, it's a little bit like football where you can go back and say, if this didn't happen, if this didn't happen, I mean, where where are you with this team in sort of the season that they've had?
1: I mean, look, I understand if you're in that locker room, it's going to be painful. I think Buddy Heald said he bet his house that the Kings would make the playoffs. Obviously. Yeah, that got retweeted. So. He was confident of every team when they're playing like that, they're going to feel like they're. you have to have that mentality. You do. And, uh, you know, it's good to feel that pain a little bit. I think that's how you grow. That's how you go, okay, like, yeah, we surprised surprise people this year, but surprising people is not good enough, James. You got to elevate your game to the next level. And I hope all those guys in the locker room look back at this year and appreciate the strides that they made, not only in their individual games, but with the win total, blowing it out of the water, Also with the mindset of the West is going to keep getting better. And if we don't improve our games on an individual level, it's going to be hard to make that jump. And they just have the mindset that, we have to get better. They can't be content on this year, and I don't think they are. And that's a good thing. So uh, I, your, your point about the San Antonio game is dead on. I mean, you talk about the final game of a five-game road trip. The second night of a back-to-back and Spurs team that's been playing well. Six game in nine nights yes. in six different cities. Well, and the other thing, too, with that, the Spurs came in that game going, we've lost two games in Sacramento this year we got it we got to get a win but they're still trying to you know play with seating I mean they're in but you know they're still battling you know seating in the Western Conference so they needed that win and Sacramento came out and they played a game and even against Houston I thought you know they had their moments where they could have gotten blown out but they kept fighting and made it a competitive game even though James Harden had 50 points so ultimately I like the fact that even though that they've been eliminated they're still coming out, and they're playing hard every night. And, and I think that can carry into the off season into next year, too.
0: You know, Deuce, the one thing uh, I, I really realized when I, I got to go out on the road trip um, was the sheer volume of games. So, like, I know when I, it was at the 20-game mark, I wrote a post about, you know, each breaking down each of the teams and what it was at you know, how many winnable games, how many games that were against teams that you're not going to beat. And I broke it all down and i feel bad afterwards because i looked at the games as in can the kings beat team a a versus b yeah. right what i did not look at was the schedule <laughs> and i think the the most ridiculous thing is, is that for years here i've covered the team and you always get to the end of the season and everyone in the building, the, the players, the management, the coach, they just want the season to get over. Just get it done. <laughs> you, you do. You, I mean, you start getting to a point where, um, like, you're not phoning it in, but – you start to see the playing for draft picks and you start to see guys really take a step back and a lot of guy a lot of veterans go sit on the bench and you know they're kind of off limits once they're on the bench and you don't want to keep like throwing salt in a wound so it, it there, there's this weird transformation that happens well that transformation didn't happen this year so i was afforded the ability to look at like oh look these are the games that they could win and then you look at the schedule that they're playing, and not only the schedule they're playing, but versus the playoff teams, the teams that are good. So the Kings play six games and nine nights. Uh, the Spurs played four. The Houston Rockets played four. The Kings played the Houston Rockets on Saturday. Then they had a back to back, a brutal back to back, the fourth game in, I mean, third game in four nights uh, on Sunday against the Spurs. Then the Kings had to fly home. The Houston Rockets had already been able to get here and take their time because the Rockets had a two-day break. Yeah, The Kings don't have a two-day break in their schedule for almost a month. And it's crazy. It's back-to-back back, uh, on Saturday, Sunday, followed by Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, one-day break. Sunday they play uh, against Utah. And then the last game of the season they get a two-day break before <laughs> the last game. But the games before that, if I would have looked more closely at the schedule, the way it laid out, uh, and really, like, looked at it closely, I would have had a different outcome than them winning, like, 43, 44, 45 games. I think what they've done here, they've had some slip-ups, but if you look at how the schedule laid out, they really aren't slip-ups. Uh, no, and they're just exhaustion.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. The schedule's been tough, um, and, and some of the teams they're playing are playing for seeding now too. Which again, yes. this game tonight is a big one for Houston. That we're gonna see is you know they're trying to battle it out with uh, what they're Portland tied for the, right now, the
0: third seed with yeah. Portland, and they're only two games up on Utah with five
1: games to play. So you know this is a game Houston needs to win too. You know, and they they've obviously had a lot of success against Sacramento, 17 and two over the last 19 games, but. Um, Yeah, I think that, and I also think that the Bagley injury really set them back, too, because Bagley was really starting to play some good basketball, and he's bounced back since then, but my point is, it was a time where they were really making that push, making that run, and him going down, I think, really set them back. I I think they were finding something with him at that point.
0: And I'm going to point out, too, the, the two injuries to Bagley, both times, he had started to really crank it up, and all of a sudden... Everyone is looking around like, oh, my gosh, are you seeing this kid's talent? And it's not just what was the first time he missed 11 out of 12 day, uh, twelve games, right? Uh, but when he came back, it's not just those 11 games. He was on a minutes restriction for four or five games afterwards. So building him back up. Oh, yeah. And then the second time, same exact thing. He's on a minutes restrictions. And that minutes restriction, so, so people can go back and look at it, it coincides with he, when he came back. All of a sudden, it was like a game, a day off, back-to-backs, and then a day off, and then a game. And you cannot rush a 19-year-old kid or a 20-year-old kid who's hurt a knee. You can't do it. And if you, you decide to do that, you're risking five, six, seven years on the back end of right. his career that you could damage because of it. And you don't do it. And, I, you know, I think the Kings have done right by him every time. But he's missed 20 games this season, and that's a big deal. And he's going to need to figure out how to not miss 20 games going forward. Uh, he's got to get stronger, he's got to get bigger. Um, But both of his injuries were kind of freak injuries. But I just want to point that out, that it's not just the the 20 games. It's 20 games plus, like, another 8 to 10 games where he was ramping back up. Oh, yeah. and, And that hurts the team as well.
1: It absolutely did. That's why it's so hard to predict games. Like people predicting before the season, you know, where is Sacramento going to go? They're going to win two games in the first month, and they're just looking strictly at opponents. It's all timing, too. you can't, It's hard to predict. It's timing, it's scheduling, it's who's missing time, uh, who's missing time on the other team, where, where, where is this team at? There's obviously a lot of factors. But ultimately, I think if you're a Kings fan, you look back at this year and go, man, yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't get in. We haven't been in the playoffs in 13 years the longest active streak in the NBA you want it especially when you see it in a reach you start seeing it you start believing it but I think you also have to take a step back and go wow like most people thought this team was going to win mid-20s and here we are talking about them potentially getting to that 500 mark it's a huge leap it's a leap that I think fans and players and execs and coaches should be pretty happy with.
0: You are listening to the King's Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Your local Wendy's just got closer. Because now they deliver. Download the DoorDash app and order your favorites like the Baconator or Spicy Chicken Sandwich. Wendy's will deliver when the craving hits the DoorDash at participating locations for a limited time. Now back to the program. Even if they don't make it to 41 wins, it's still a tremendously successful season well
1: yeah I mean they haven't what, what was it the last time they won 38 games was under Reggie Theus that 07-08 season.
0: season if they win tonight it's the most games since the playoff Nick year Adelman, uh, era ended in 5 and that was
1: 43 wins that season I believe in 5
0: yeah I mean what they've done this season is remarkable and it's not just winning games I, I think that that's another thing I'll point out winning games is one thing and if if The Kings would have been able to put Zebo on the floor early on the season. Uh, I know that sounds crazy because you forget Zebo was even on this team. Um, Maybe they're able to sneak out a win or two here and there using him as an anchor on the offensive side. Now, they're running and gunning and doing all this crazy stuff. But you, like, took all the safety nets off this team and just threw them out there. There were a lot of people around this building that thought they might have 10 wins by January 1st. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, 10 wins. That's yeah. what they were thinking. It would be something like 10 and 20. Uh, they didn't know when they would get their first, like, three, four, five wins because the schedule was so difficult in the beginning. You hit some hot spots in the middle of, this, of the season where I think the Kings really did take care of business and were able to maintain around the 500 mark, which I think everyone was surprised. They just kept, they kept maintaining. Um, and to me, you know, this last handful of games, this last, you know, quarter of the season – it's been tough because you've seen the reality of the NBA, how difficult it is for a young team to jump over uh, sort of the steps that you have to take because it, it's very clear. You look in, throughout league history, very, very rarely does a team ever go from nowhere to playoffs in one year. And I, like the one team I remember was the, the Miami Heat team with, all the all the rookies, so it was like Karan Butler, Lamar Odom, uh, Dwayne Wade. You know, or maybe it was around that time um, where they went from, and then they they went out and they traded half that half those guys for Shaq. Yeah, yeah, and so that was a season where they defied everything. But even if you look back, the Phoenix Suns had that huge season a few years ago under Jeff Hornacek, where they end up with 47 wins or 46 wins, and they missed the playoffs in the last couple of days of the season, uh, and then that team fell apart. It never, ever happens where a young team flies up and makes the playoffs in year one. Uh, The fact that right now they're an 11-game improvement over last season, I think it speaks volumes about not just what Vlade's been able to do building talent uh, and and sort of changing the the culture and and direction of the franchise, but also what Dave Yeager and his staff have been able to do because they've been able to win games and develop talent at the same time and if you don't if if you have watched this season and can't tell uh, harry giles has gotten better Uh, marvin bagley has gotten better Uh, buddy Heels from day one of the season to where he is now he's gotten better De'Aaron fox has gotten better i mean this is what we're talking about the the improvement is something that's huge uh, because it wasn't just about winning and losing this season it was about development
1: yeah and if i would have told you before the season that hey those all those guys you just mentioned would be better They'd get better, and the Kings would win 32 games. I think most fans would go, "Okay, that's so." You're seeing growth from those young guys, and they get to 32. That's great. So now here we are. We're talking about huge leaps from De'Aaron and huge leaps for a huge leap for Buddy Heald, and then they're closing in that 40-win mark. It, it's it's been a tremendous year for them, and now the next challenge is how they get how they make that jump. You know, I think the team I I look at a lot is a team like uh, Denver. Denver got to the last game of the season last year. They win, they get in. They lose to the Minnesota T-Wolves, and they miss the playoffs. Here they are now, battling it out in the top of the West. They are the number two seed. Now, I don't anticipate Sacramento jumping to number two next uh, next season, but my point there is Denver came back relatively with a, kind of the same team. Yeah, Millsap was healthy, finally got a little bit healthy, but uh-huh. it's pretty much the same team, some minor tweaks. But their main guys got better. Jokic turned into an MVP candidate. He's not winning the MVP, but he's in a conversation of, oh, could he be finishing the top five of MVP voting? Yes. yes. He's their most important player. He got better. Jamal Murray took that jump. So th- th- that's the next step for Sacramento. Like, who's going to take the leap? Like, what's Bagley going to do next year when I w- imagine his role is going to increase dramatically next season?
0: Yeah, there's no question. Bagley's starting next season. Yeah. And so for all the people who are out there, like, why is Dave Yeager, like, holding this kid hostage? Um, it's very specific. I mean, he's trying to develop this kid the right way while allowing the spacing on the floor to continue. And people will go, I don't care. Just run him out there. No, it, it does not work that way. Buddy Hill does not get open looks if if you're, you're collapsed, uh, if the whole offense is stymied. Uh, De'Aaron Fox doesn't have the running lanes that he's been able to take advantage of. And that's it, kind of segues me to my uh, another point, Deuce. And what I've seen out of De'Aaron Fox down the stretch here, I've heard Dave Yeager say this a couple of times. I want my team to feel what 82 games feels like because next year, 82 games hopefully won't be the end. Thank you. 82 games will be the beginning, that will be the regular season. Everything that happens after 82 games is real. That's the real stuff. That's what you're hoping to get to. And I need them to feel what 82 games feels like. And so I've heard, I've seen on Twitter, I've seen out there, hey, why aren't they shutting down a couple of these guys? Why risk running this guy out there? It's because this is going to be a building block for next season. De'Aaron Fox has missed one game all season, and it was a mandated game missed by the Kings where they said, look, you've played too many minutes over a small amount of time. We're risking injury. We're going to set you and you're going to have like a, a night where you sit back and watch. That's the only game he's missed all season. Buddy Hield hasn't missed a game, but again, a more mature body, a 26-year-old body versus a 21-year-old body. Um, I think they're doing it the right way, and I guess my biggest point was what we're seeing out of De'Aaron Fox here isn't just him putting up numbers down the stretch. What he what he showed me in the San Antonio game was special. I saw him take ownership of the game in the, in the final five minutes. And yeah. the Kings finished on an 8-0 run. He dictated what was happening at all times. He got his team shots. He went in and grabbed three rebounds on that stretch. When it was his turn, he ran down the middle. He hit a floater. Uh, his defense in, in that final stretch was incredible. To me, that's what this is all about. It's about teaching guys that, look, when we get to game 77, you have to have so much left in the tank because we're hoping to play another 15 games.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly it. And You know, it's... We we both get the chance to talk to Doug Christie a lot and one thing that jumped out to me talking to Doug over the years is he said after a season if he wasn't making the playoffs or they got bounced out, whatever, he got in the gym like almost right away. And his yeah. mindset was Well, I need to I need to be playing. I gotta have my body conditioned to play my body's not getting conditioned to play eighty two games. Yeah. You wanna play like you said, like maybe a hundred games if yeah. you have to. Yeah. That's what you have to. You have to thrive off that, and you have to go there. So I'm glad. I'm glad they're pushing it to the limit a little bit. And obviously, you, you know, it's a balancing act. If a guy l- literally looks fatigued, and you don't want to put him in this position, like he needs a you know a day just to rest. Sure, but I, I love the fact that De'Aaron Fox is on pace to play whatever. 81 games 81 games that's awesome
0: I would be surprised if he doesn't play 81 games they really do want to finish out this season at three and two and get to 41 wins I know it's a huge thing I know buddy bet his house on them making the play when's he point. moving out uh yeah but the fact is like look you still have opportunities to to hit goals that this team uh will will go into next season knowing like look we were able to accomplish that and that it's huge I mean You don't want them to finish on a sour note and feel the disappointment of just, oh, look, we didn't make the playoffs, so this season wasn't successful. This season is tremendously successful. Anyone who who argues that point does not understand the dynamics of basketball at all. This, This whole entire season, could they have won more games here and there? Yes, but you know what? They also could have lost a lot more games, Deuce. Oh,
1: yeah. They've had some pretty crazy comebacks. You know, I think back, I think they've been down a couple of times, 19-plus points this year and come back in yeah. one game. And one time against Oklahoma City earlier in the season. So, yeah, look, when you take, when you look at the huge overview, fans will say, well, it's a failure. They didn't make the playoffs again. That's 13 straight years. Yeah. Sure. If you want to feel, if you feel better thinking that way, that's fine. I'm looking at this year, and I'm looking at where I expected them to be, and where 99% of people expected them to be. Especially people who cover this or are in the building, like they've surpassed all expectations. Now, I'm not saying like, oh, everything's good and it's fine. They'll make the playoffs next year. No, there's definitely things that tweaks that have to be made yep. and improvements that have to be made to get there. But they're on the right track, and I think that's clear as day. When some of your best, the, the, the guys you drafted or traded for are your best guys, that's a great sign for the future.
0: All right, so we're almost done here, Deuce. Uh, Sacramento Kings walk into the season with $38 million in salary cap space. Uh, most of their core, the only one of their their real, their rotation that is not under contract is Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, we... We could get to predicting whether Willie Cauley-Stein will be here or not, but I really do believe that the market will set his price and the Kings will react accordingly, Yeah. Uh, and they'll go from there. But this team has a real opportunity to improve and to be very, very good walking into next season. They'll spend a lot of time this summer. I know Harrison Barnes plans on being here. Uh, from everything I've heard, uh, you know, there's, there's a very, very high likelihood that he either opts into his contract – or signs an extension, or opts out and signs a longer-term deal. There are all kinds of options when it comes to Harrison Barnes, but I don't believe he walks away from 25 million dollars uh, this next season. So this young core is going to be together. They're going to have to fill some holes. They're going to have to, you know, get stronger, get bigger. Uh, but it really does look like the future is bright for this group.
1: Absolutely, and we'll see what they can do with that with that money. I think Sacramento has become more attractive this year. And there's no doubt about it. I think NBA players, when when you can come in and play Sacramento, yeah, go, these guys work hard. Man, Deer Fox can play. Bagley can play. Oh my God, this Buddy Heel guy. You got a few guys that I think free agents look at and go, I'd like to play this style. I want to get up and down the floor. And okay, they do have a new building. I I dig that. There's there's incent. There's more incentive now where it was so chaotic in the past, and yeah. th- there was no sign that it was getting better. Now. The main thing for players is they want to go in a situation where, yeah, they make money, get paid a little bit, but they want to have a chance to win. That's why Golden State for years, they didn't get any free agents. Their big free agent was Derek Fisher, right? Yeah. They ultimately had to make trades to get guys in, and that was Baron Davis, all those guys, right? But then they got bad again. And it was the same thing. What are they going to do? How do they fix this? Well, they drafted well, and, yeah. they, and they, they they drafted Steph. They drafted Clay. They drafted Draymond, they made some tweaks, signed a free agent like Igadala, and it all came together, and eventually they were able to track Kevin Durant. Well, what changed? The players changed. You know, you got guys that people want to play with, and I think Sacramento, although they're not at the caliber of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson yet, who knows what De'Aaron Fox could be in two years, and I think I think players see that.
0: I think they do too. All right, man, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks. I, it was fun. I feel bad that we haven't had you on since 2013, really?
1: Uh, there, there's a chance I, you know, sometimes you forget these things, but that one sticks out to me mainly because of the significant significance of that day. And I think we were a few beers deep.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> always possible. Um, but, uh, I'm glad you joined me because y- yeah. you've had a good season with, uh, with your Stockton Kings job, uh, super again, super proud of you for appreciate that the way that things have worked out for you and and Morgan and you guys are just hard workers and it's great to see. So uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. For Deuce Mason, I am James Ham. We will see you very soon. All right, you've been listening to the Kings Insider podcast, brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.